<laughs> That's how we start the show. All righty. Episode 12, getting back to- We made it to an even dozen. I just clipped that shit. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. a baker's dozen, but an even no. dozen. Next episode would be a baker's dozen. You know that's what you got to tile it, right? Like, you totally on the thumbnail. Episode 12, a baker's dozen. Or episode 13, a, a baker's, baker's dozen. dozen. Yeah. Hmm. Do, we know any, <laughs> do we know any bakers? Holy shit. They could spell out backseat playlist in bagels. That would be really expensive. Mm. But I don't know. All the bagel shops that I know of in Frederick don't make their own bagels. They all are outsourced from somewhere Scam. else. Did we? Was it you and me? Are talking about this whole bagel? No, it was me and Matt. Me and Matt had this whole conversation because I love bagels. That is the oh, only reason I would ever move to New York. I fucking hate the city. You know how much I hate cities. But Ooh. I would move to New York. I've had a New maybe York. Long Island. I, I had a Staten Island bagel because oh, Lenny lives man. on Staten Island. Yeah. How's Staten Island? I've been there a couple times, but I've never spent like any like meaningful time. I on haven't Staten really Island. done any touristy stuff. I don't feel like there's a lot to do. In... I know the Wu Tang Clan's from Staten Island. Yeah, so that shows you probably how. Great of us. Staten Island. Um, Staten Island's finest. If I'm at, if I'm on Staten Island, I'm either in Lenny's basement, uh, at the bagel shop, at the sushi place, at the diner, or at the liquor store. <laughs> like, see, I will I like not a whole lot of. Oh, there's a Dunkin' Donuts a couple blocks. I'm not me. a New York pizza fan. I'll say it. Crucify me. I don't give a shit. Ooh. New York pizza sucks. It's just thin, and it all tastes the exact same. Like the, I feel like the thing that New York Pizza has is that like they have got a shitload of toppings that you can pick from. It's like they were like they. It used to be mm. like in New York, it was like it was the only place until everyone else started doing. It was like we could put spaghetti on a pizza, bam. A we'll good. put fucking meatballs on a pizza, bam. We'll put a baby on a pizza, <laughs> bam. And you're like, this is crazy. Like, and you could just get a slice. And now other places are doing it, and not New York. But I will give them, New York still has the best damn bagels. Nothing like a New oh, York yeah. bagel. You can't. It just. It looks like it's a storefront that you're just like, mmm, I don't want to go in there. But I and love it, too. you go in there, and you're just like, oh, my God, this is the best bagel I've ever it's had. The best and it's and probably I... not even the best New York bagel, but just from uh, an outsider. Yeah. Just, it's like, it's better than I anything. I have a hot take that there's a big plug-in company that I don't like, and I feel like they are the New York pizza of... Tell me, who are they? We should just start calling the shit out, bro. We should just be that, those people that are just being the truth. It's a... What are they going to do? Not sponsor me. They, uh, they, it's Waves. I don't like Waves. <laughs> I, I like Waves when Waves makes plugins, but I, I feel like. You don't like the gimmicky stuff that they do. I, yeah, I, I feel like as how you feel about New York pizza, where you're just like, pizza's pizza, so it's good. Like, yeah, audio yeah, plugins are good. And yeah, you I, know, like, it, you know. I'm not going to not eat pizza when I'm in New York. Like, fuck it, yeah, it's pizza. But, yeah, it, I just, I feel like sometimes it's just like, hmm. Uh, yeah, I've got, like, a mixed thing. It's like, I want to hate some of their shit because it's an obvious cash grab. Like, here's the next CLA plugin, or here's the next thing where it was like, this didn't really take a lot of thought. But I will say that I do find that there are some times where I am grabbing some of those gimmicky-ass plugins, and I'm like, shit. They actually do some kind of cool Like, dude, CLA drums, I hate it, but it works. And oh, it does and some I cool use, stuff, and I'm just like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I use five to eight Waves plugins fairly regularly. Yeah. Like, their noise reduction plugins, phenomenal. Awesome. I love their um, limiters. L1, I, L2. I love... I think I like the eyes the isotope noise reduction ones a little better, but they're just I don't want to spend the money like yeah. 
I bought them because I, I did some uh, like digital transfer stuff for a client. And I was like, hey, like I can do this. I got to buy this plug-in bundle to do this. I don't think you want to give me the 400 bucks for the isotope one. So if you give me, if you add in an extra 75 just for me to get this so I can you know, do the job, they're like, yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, L1 I use frequently. I like L3. Yeah. I've heard nothing but good things about the new uh, SSL e-channel V2. I haven't I tried it. Um, the C6 and C4 are great. Um, I don't know, there's just other, I think, just think some of their analog modeled ones just aren't on par with other companies. Yeah. You know, I like, like when they do new stuff. Where it's uh, yeah. not a gimmick and it's not a, oh, hey, we're doing another analog gear. Like like the new Clarity thing they just came out with, the new... Uh, um, Noise reduction thing. Mm-hmm. It's like I like when they do new stuff. That's like, oh hey, we've got some new algorithms that can help clean shit up more, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, it's fun. They're um, oh, not the stock DSer. I think it's called Sibilance or whatever. That mm-hmm. DSer. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's tons of guys that only mix with waves. Their plugins yeah. are great. It's just like the company is what you're talking about. It's not necessarily. It's just like some yeah. of their business practices. Like, ah, yay. Hypercapitalism. Just we're gonna release a bunch of shit that's just a rehash of our other stuff. Or yeah, it's just I just like, feel like some of it is just close, but it's just kind of skinned to look like. Yeah. Yeah, I like the waves. I like the waves plugins that have like the least attractive user interface. I don't like, like the um, the uglier the plugin looks, the more I like it. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of a lot of like the new stuff where it's like, and it, not just them, the other companies where it, it's the. Um, the RGB lighting style where it's yeah. just like the gamer style where it's like super bright blues and bright reds and greens. It's like, yeah, old analog. I don't know. Not that everything has to be a skin of like old analog, but it yeah. could just be basic. It doesn't have to look like some fucking 10 year old's wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, look at all these colors. I'm like, ow, look at all these fucking colors. Yeah. Like I, I like in Q10 that all the bands are different. Like, yeah, you know, no, when like, they're, that's useful. Yeah. That that's helpful. But, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe I'm just a shitty mixer and I'm griping about plugins because it's just, I'm the problem. I just like bitching. Yeah, I do, really. <laughs> but uh, speaking of plugins and speaking of bitching, I can do a lot of bitching about our topic today. Boom. Talking about guitars and bass again. We're talking just a little bit of like mixing and tricks mixing. and just an overall thing. Just like fun shit, you know? Yeah. Um, kind of what we do. It's not going to be a full in-depth tutorial because as we've learned with this series, it depends. depends. Uh, <laughs> Actually, I'm wearing my Depends I, today. We should totally do that. We should know. like get sponsored by them. That would be, that'd be weird. That would be I, really I, weird. I think weird sponsorships are the way to go. I think it's fun. You know? um, Speaking of our not sponsors, shout out to Jack's Hard Cider and, and Mela Kitchen, Josh Fiddler. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Fan of the pod, probably our biggest fan. Thanks for keeping my seat warm a couple weeks uh, ago. He is going to be probably fairly regular on the program. It's uh, looking like and sounding like be very very cool. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, please should they have us? Should we have them send an email? Uh, or should they throw a rock through our car windows? You know, just message one of us yeah. at this point. I don't think we're big enough to have like a filter. I yeah. feel like we just. We'll, I'll talk to anybody. You got to wear a funny hat, though. I don't know. You got to sit next to Animal. Yep. You got to let Animal sit in your lap. Ooh. Yeah, you got to kiss him. All right. Look at that mouth-to-mouth action. That'd be fun. Yeah, I feel like we could, you know, get a little weird with this. You know, let's see where... Go- you know, speaking <laughs> of getting weird, I've done some weird shit to get 
guitars and basses to to gel together. Oh yeah, yeah. What uh, what's some weird shit you've done? You were talking to me about a, uh, a something with some modulation. Yeah, it's a Andy Wallace trick. Uh, Andy Warhol. Andy Warhol. Yeah, I. Uh, he was an audio engineer. Yeah, just make your mix sound like four different ways, like the soup can or whatever. Yeah, yeah. four just different colors. Be a con- hack. Contrast. Andy Warhol was a hack, and I will never take that back. All right. Hot take. That's going to be a shirt, too. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Pittsburgh. Lovely place. I <laughs> could possibly live there one day. All right, so tell me this Andy Wallace trick. So uh, we'll, we'll have to take a couple steps back because it's usually a bass trick you've heard it on all of he mixed nevermind so that okay. real chorusy thing from um come as you are mm-hmm. um it is from a yamaha spx 90 effects rack i have one in that rack that i borrowed from lenny and i'm in the midst of nice acquiring the gear to have an actual outboard setup thing done um I use it on bass a lot, so did he. It's on... There's a Rick Beato video of Andy Wallace. Beato. Mi- Andy Wallace mix, mixing styles or mixing things. I watched it, and I realized, like, oh, wow, he's mixed a lot of records that I like. Um, I don't always love his snare sound, but that's mm-hmm. a taste thing. So basically what he does is to get movement out of his bass, he will send it to a chorus and hard pan it left and right. Um I will do that. Wait, hard pan what left and right? The chorus, the oh, return. So it'll have a stereo chorus? Yeah. Basically left it'll and be right? a stereo okay. chorus, so then it yeah. kind of swims uh, throughout your uh, yeah. stereo image. I like doing it. Ever since I've learned that trick, it has been kind of a mainstay. Yeah, I, I think you told me that trick a long time ago, and I've done that. Yeah, I don't use it. I will duplicate bass tracks to do it. Mm-hmm. Um because if you send a lot of low end to it, you're just your left and right gets muddy. Yeah, and I'm usually doing. So what do you do? You're you're high passing it. Yeah, high passing the, the bass track will, and then sending it. Yeah, we're leading off with this one's putting the cart before the horse just a little bit, <laughs> but uh, it happens. It's um, I will usually duplicate. Bass. I think the cart should do some work, man. Yeah. Those horses pull it all the time. Yeah, you know what? Cart rights. Made rights for these horses carts. Horses should unionize. Mm-hmm. We've had it with these... Uh, these had it with these fucking, uh, these fucking fat cats on the cart, you know? Yeah. It's time for them to... You know, they should push us for a little bit or something. I don't know how yeah. it works. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how business or nature works. I, I've just... I'm really just... I don't know. My parents tried to tell me the birds and the bees things, and I just tuned out. So, yeah. first time I met a girl, I was like, where are the bees? Do you are have you them, the, or am I supposed to bring the am bees? Am I the bird? I feel like... Are you going to feed me like a bird? Is that what don't happens here? Don't throw up here? in my mouth. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't think you can. <laughs> um, back to audio. Side tangent. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I will usually have a clean bass sound. I'll usually have a clean low bass sound and a clean high bass sound, and then I will duplicate that. The high one. High one. It's more of a mid-range than a high-end thing. Yeah, I but, you know, bright, dark. Um, and then I will have that one maybe be distorted or something, and and one of them is going to the chorus. Yeah, probably the clean high one. Yeah, I feel like the distorted a distortion into a chorus would be that won't be subtle. That no, would be that very is, like yeah. oh, that's a cool effect. But you're t- this is more of like a subtle thing to get the bass to do. Just give it some movement. Yeah, yeah. I like I really like tying in with that. I have found not necessarily in 
super dense, like fast um, music, but where you're trying to get the, the bass to gel with the drums and guitar, but adding a small room reverb to the bass. I um, will. It just adds a little bit more yeah. outside of that, that dry, like mono focus. Mm-hmm. And, and in that same context, sometimes I'll do it to the whole, I'll just throw the reverb on there and just change the mix knob, or I'll do like a high pass bass that then is sent to the yeah, reverb to get a little bit of. But just a little bit of something, it, and in, yeah. if I, I, a lot of the times I'll try to get a room sound. I might send it to the same room that like my snare is going to, or something, yeah. just to kind of gel everything a little bit more. I will often have a bus that is a room sound that all of my guitars and basses are going to, and this is why I wanted to wait to do the mixing episode for bass and guitar into mm-hmm. one because I feel like it's so dependent. Like they really need to be locked in together to make it yeah. work. Because I'll typically high pass my bass for the bright channel to like sit just below where the guitar ends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, say there, you know, there's really nothing below like 250 where I have, like if I'm high passing my guitars up to like 250 or something, which might be a little extreme, but in context, you know, if there's a lot of 200 in the bass, like I don't want to do some weird, like frequency side chaining thing. Like I'd rather just let the bass tuck in underneath that. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. My bright aggressive bass sound. Bright aggressive bass. I um with guitars, I like doing um one of the fun tricks that I like to do is for like choruses to get like a lift is again yeah. just like a, a duplicate or just you know bussing out my mm-hmm. stereo guitar to uh, another track that's got like a brighter EQ and just add like like high pass it to I don't know up to like over maybe over a thousand. I mean like really just this thin sounding guitar track that's just a little bit of brightness air. that You're just adding, just air. adding air that then lifts in in the chorus just to add. Something and then also having a compressor that compresses them so you don't actually get a dB boost, um, but just a, a frequency change that lifts it. I think we kind of you, you talked to me about that actually with a suggestion that you had about EQing the vocals different between the chorus and yeah. the, the, the verse. And I think a similar thing could be said with guitars is like slightly making the guitars darker in the verses and then brighter in the choruses, yeah. or if you're going for a flip flop, a dynamic, you know, yeah. brighter in the chorus versus darker in the chorus, but. Those kind of EQ, subtle EQ changes, I'll call them tonal changes. Yeah, because you're not, like, hacking away at a frequency to make yeah. it work. You're just like, ooh, that's... Yeah, let me totally change this to create a dynamic feel. Because I feel like a lot of people and it's think subtle. that dynamics like a... is just volume, and yeah. it's not. So many different mm-hmm. things can create a dynamic change. How How much do you compress your bass? Like, if I were looking at your gain reduction... Um, so I'd I know it's going to depend. Yeah, so but. for rock and metal, where I'm really trying to get that bass to just glue in with the drums, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get, for the most part, you to feel the bass, yeah. and the and the bass is going to be kind of just a lower version of the guitars. Yeah. We're talking about that root note playing. Mm-hmm. I'll compress a lot. Like, I'm probably 12 dB or more. Okay. I'm almost at the point of limiting the bass, because it's just, I want that to just be that low end that's just there the whole time that you're getting hit in the chest with. Yeah. Now, for a more dynamic song or performance, like something with Nick, where we've got mm-hmm. the bass is doing a little bit more movement, it might go off and do its own thing that's harmonizing with the guitars. Yeah. Um, I'm still want to kind of compress it, but I'm going to compress more so the low end. I'm probably like multi-band it, where I'm yeah. really smoothing out the low end so it's always just there. But then the, the top, I want that to kind of poke a little bit more at times. There's sometimes yeah. where I want those frequencies to jump out a little bit. Yeah, where yeah. it's like, ooh, that was really cool. I feel like it adds a little more movement to that style of music. Whereas yeah. in rock and metal, 
your movement comes more from just the arrangement of the song rather than the actual performance because yeah. you're wanting it to be at fucking 10 the whole time. So you've got to really flatten your dynamic range mm -hmm. to then allow the arrangement to move. I feel like I have not been compressing my basses enough. I feel like I've always struggled with it, and I, was, I just... Like I said in the last episode, like I feel like I've gotten my like my spark and drive back uh, a little bit, actually a lot of it. I feel like I feel like I've listened to so much stuff recently. Not that I like don't know stuff. Like I feel like I can have intelligent audio conversations with almost anybody. Um, but I've just like I've put a real effort into like all right, we got to break out of this like rut that I've been in, and you know, obviously like COVID and shit didn't help with that, but. Yeah, I just like listening to like all these audio podcasts and like the one guy was saying, he was just like, yeah, I'm like even, I'm hitting like 10 dB of gain reduction on my bass for like almost everything. And I was just like, I thought maybe I've just been scared of it. Like, yeah, I feel like because you can definitely over compress a lot of things, but yeah. I feel like the bass is pretty forgiving. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing too is more so than a lot of instruments, the bass really your compression really can change based on the performance yeah um so between like you know because with mo i'd say with most guitar players they're either doing finger style or they're playing with a pick yeah whereas with bass it's like you could be doing a multitude of different things um and i think depending on the player you could have to compress a lot more because of how off there i know a lot of bass players that play with their fingers are not super consistent and so yeah. you'll see one of the fingers, if they're like an index leading finger guy, you'll notice that on like the one and the two, that it really peaks because they're hitting it a lot harder. Yeah, or um, it'll be three and four. If they, and it, and yeah. it's definitely not even like an accent thing. It's just, oh, wow, their fingers are just not yeah. balanced out. You'll definitely have to do a lot more. You'll probably can, you'll have to compress it a lot more to really even it out and get it to sound smooth. Whereas sure. someone that's more consistent, you can compress it just to get that tight sound, but you don't right. need to smash it to fix the dynamics. Yeah, I don't know. I just I'm gonna next couple mixes I might screw them up completely, but I'm just go gonna I'm gonna go for it with the, the yeah. compression on the bass. Uh, did you ever try the Andrew Shep's uh, rear bus technique? No, I've heard of that. Yeah, so I'm not. I've I've taken the idea and I've kind of made it my own. Mm -hmm. I think what he does is it's a parallel bus with no vocals. And no drums, but all the other instruments. Okay. And it is like a ridiculous 1176, like like a ridiculous amount of compression. Not like all buttons in, but mm -hmm. like it is like... Do you know like time settings? Are they dependent on the song or is it like a pretty consistent... I feel like it's medium fast and medium slow. I don't remember. Okay. And I'm also so bad at the 1176, I forget which one's which. Mm -hmm. is seven fast and one is slow? I think seven's fast and one is slow. I think there are some models like plugins though that are flip flopped. If I yeah, remember it's correctly. a pain in the ass. Yeah, um, I hate it. Just just write fast and slow. slow. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Be cool like Kush Audio where they put the time things and then they'll also put like compressor styles with the timing. So there will be like FET, Opto, VCA mm -hmm. according to the the time limit. Yeah, and I'm like, thank you. Yeah, that's like, I like that. That's cool. Yeah, I gotta hop back on and get the Kush stuff. It's I awesome. Miss that. Um. They're just so vibey. Yeah, it's it's awesome. But, yeah, so I'll, I'll usually put guitars and bass, and I'll compress them together. Mm -hmm. um, and that's usually everything. Like, And now do you have that bus going the entire mix, or is that just like a, mm -hmm. a, a riding the fader thing? I mean, it's kinda... automated throughout yeah. the mix, but it, it does add... It'll be one of those where, like, 
if your drums are really slamming, but like you're just like you know your guitars and bass are working well together, but they're mm-hmm. just they can't. If you pull the drums back, it really doesn't work because mm-hmm. it loses all of its impact, and you need that extra gear for your guitars and bass, but like you can't do it on the channel. Yeah, that just totally eliminates it. It's like such I like a, a lot of that stuff. It's such yeah. a good enforcement track, mm-hmm. and I'm doing it. You know, it's a stereo return and a stereo compressor. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do some people recommend doing it multi mono. Okay. So the left and right are, are different. separate. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm at the point now where I can probably start getting into that and yeah. it won't be as like wild and crazy. Yeah. Um, you'll be able to actually dial in that left and right. Because, yeah, yeah, I find I, we've talked about this before, I think, when we talked about guitars, but getting that left and right movement happening that's like yeah. subtle. You don't want these extreme like push pull things yeah. going on, but so much of depth is cre- I mean, you know, because when you think about it, your stereo image literally is just left and right. The whole, mm-hmm. there is really truly no actual. 3D thing going on so creating that illusion is so important with your left and right yeah so it's a good just thickener for everything and you can push it up and pull it back like how much do you compress guitars like electric guitars I feel like not a lot not a lot Um, for cleaner stuff maybe Mm -hmm. you know but like heavy distorted stuff I don't like maybe I'll throw a limiter on there for like volume or something which I guess is compression yeah but it's usually if you look at like a distorted electric guitar's waveform, it's it's yeah. it's bricked anyway. Like yeah, I've always I've never messed around with like some... super compressing my guitars, but I kind of want to experiment with it, just see what the fuck happens. I've heard and I've tried it a couple times, and I always end up undoing it. Some people do like that Bob vocal compression thing, mm-hmm. where the threshold is just buried, mm-hmm. and everything is attack and release is set to as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And I've tried it, and it like it does something, but it doesn't ever do what I want it to do it never works for what you've tried it on yeah yeah i don't know i feel like electric guitars are those one things where like i don't i've never felt the need to compress them Mm -hmm. assuming it's a a heavier sound like unless you're getting like sometimes i'll run them through a compressor just because i like what the 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 harmonics that are just like you know that are generated through it Mm -hmm. like if i need Another edge, like I like running electric guitars through a distressor or something. Oh, you're yeah. getting the yeah. distortion from it. Yeah, but I, it's never sound. been like, oh, <clears throat> oh, I need the compression for this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I understand. I've been... I struggle with guitars. I feel like they're probably my weakest spot for my mixing. You know, Other than, like, keyboards and stuff. Mm-hmm. I've been a big proponent recently of trying to get my guitars in the mix just from the tones themselves that it's like i'll find like i've just been experimenting and i've just been doing this with with like um uh amp amp plugins like instead of trying to actually like mic up cabs just just for experimenting purposes but just duplicating my guitar like so my my left and right guitars if i just got you know a stereo pair duplicating them two or three times and trying to really instead of pulling up an eq and just going like different just using a different thing, tone. Yeah. It's like, all right, I really this is my basic tone. I really like this, but man, I wish there was a little more low end. And turning the bass knob up on the amp just, just doesn't. Do it's it. just not doing it, or you know, I'm not getting the presence that I want. Well, you know, I'm gonna create another tone that then builds around that. Yeah, and then you and I found them. that I get so much more mileage out of doing that. Yeah. And it's like, and I think also like that also prov- you know because when you start EQing and start doing cuts stuff like that, you're starting to and using plugins, you start to introduce phase phase shift phase yeah. shift and so does that happen when you're using multiple different tones are you introducing i mean i mean you are then introducing more tones so there is more phase relationships happening but is it as detrimental shifting as if you're 
cutting and EQing? I don't think so because you're you are altering the signal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're the same performance, but like if I run the same DI through a Fender DeVille and a Mesa rectifier and an orange rocker verb and a diesel three or whatever, or in a 5150, like, yeah, they're all the same performance, but all of the harmonics are going to be different depending on how the circuitry of the amp yeah. reacts. So and you got to make sure they're in phase. Like even with amp oh, plugins, yeah, yeah. you got to still make sure they're in phase. Sometimes like you pull up an amp plug in and it doesn't get along with the other ones. So you got to flip the phase on them, and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh, there we go. Um, I was just yeah, because I noticed like I feel like I have uh, there's a little more leeway with the phase relationships by just adding more tones rather yeah. than EQing one. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like I get farther along, and then it's like before I've ever even pulled up like an actual mix. Like I start actual mixing, I'm like, wow, my 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 static setup here is actually already pretty like big and full just by adding another tone to the mix. Yeah, I mean, isn't that what um, Jerry Cantrell did on the one the one Alice in Chains album? There was like three amps, so there was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there was a low end. I'm pretty sure Dirt like that's I know the bass is like four different bass bass yeah. amps. It's one performance, but it's four different bass amps. Same thing with the guitars. I mean, that's how they got that fucking sound. I mean, because. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anybody that had a guitar tone like that prior to yeah. to Dirt and those Alice Chains records. I mean, there was stuff that was close, but I mean, that was like, it was huge, it was high gain, but it was also fat and it crunched. And it was like, clear. whoa, it was, yeah. yeah. And I think that's, you only get that by layering multiple amps. Yeah, I mean, there was a nail the mix for Meshuga, mm-hmm. and he was just like, we had eight cabs. Yeah, uh, I remember that like, one. I didn't care about phase at all. Yeah, like, fuck it. Like, and I mean, you know, I think that's so important because it's like. And you listen to that album and you're like, these are some of the biggest. Ooh, little. That was awesome. Little power blip, eh? Still recording. But All I right. think that's so important. I think because so many times you hear, I, especially now, I think that this is where it gets really important about where you go from being a guy in your bedroom being a hobbyist to then being an actual engineer because it's like there are so many great tools and plugins now that it's like you don't have to know what the fuck you're doing. You can download. You know, get good drums, and you can program. You know, a basic drum beat, and you can download the Nolly amp. You've got an amp yep. right there, and a bass tone. You've got a pretty damn good. Most of the things have mix knobs on them for like Nolly's product pro- yeah. processing. Same thing with like all all kinds of other programs. It's like I hear so much shit that guys put out these demos, and it's like, damn, fifteen years ago, that would have been a final mix. That would have been a ten or fifteen thousand dollar album. Yeah. yeah, and it's like just with these, maybe to spend what two hundred bucks on a couple plugins. But closer to five, I guess. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's like now, and then, so it's like now it gets to the point where like you've really got to be able to separate yourself. And I think bands need to understand that it's kind of like, you know, just bringing in your Mesa Boogie amp head. It's like, no, we should blend this with a couple other things to mm. really create a unique tone. That it's like, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, a metal guitar tone is a metal guitar tone. The average person's not going to be like, wow, that tone I can hear, it's very different than this. But subconsciously, psychologically, it does change. And it's like, oh, that's pretty yeah. unique. And I think by blending these different sounds together you're gonna get a lot farther along than just being like dialed in my 5150 and did my put everything at six yeah and then i pulled up my ssl channel and ducked a little 400 pulled a little 4k out boost a little 8k there we go it's like well that's on a million records but if you take your 5150 and you're like well damn i want a little more high presence i'm gonna throw in a marshall and then i'm gonna throw in a angle fireball to add a little bit more craziness like that's cool tone right there Um, yeah i saw some hot comments uh from a mutual friend of ours on the facebooks where they were talking about a someone made the comment of like 
I was told I needed to have a solid state rolling jazz course, and it sounded like shit. I love those amps. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I wanted to comment, and I didn't want to be that guy, and I wanted to comment, like, well, you probably weren't using it for what it was, like, used for. Before, like, yeah. it's meant for, it's like a pedal platform amp. Like, yeah. it's meant to be clean. Mm-hmm. And I... <laughs> what was this person intending? What was this person trying to do? I have no idea. Oh, you don't know. I was just, oh, okay. my guess from yeah. the context of the conversation is they probably wanted it to be not what it was meant yeah. for. Like, because, like, Wes Borland, who's one of my favorite guitar mm-hmm. players, used the, I'm pretty sure the jazz chorus was his, like, pedal platform amp. Mm-hmm. So he would have his dirty, you know, yeah. metal, you know, new metal guitar tone. But then when he was doing all the ambient stuff, it was coming through a jazz chorus. I love those, man. Those are great. pretty sure for one of the Thrice albums, that's what uh, Dustin Kensrue did, was mm-hmm. like, there was, you know, the wet signal path from his pedal board was going through jazz chorus and then the dry path got distorted through another amp and they yeah. blended them. I love I love the jazz chorus. I think they're great. Um, forget my point that I was making. Oh, I, I feel like the jazz chorus is kind of like, they're kind of like peisty cymbals mm-hmm. where if they are transparent to your ability as a player, yeah. where like peisty cymbals, like, you know, if you're if you don't have finesse, they just sound like glass breaking. Like they <laughs> they are loud and abrasive. But if you have you know if you can play with finesse and you know how to properly hit a cymbal, they are they will sit and they will work in your favor. Yeah, it's almost like when you get you know if you're a really pitchy vocalist and you know you put up like a C12, which is like it's very nuanced and transparent. Like you can't hide behind yeah, that like there's no way to yeah it's not like a 7b like a 7b i think is a very colored microphone yeah that's why i'm talking like, to it because yeah it's like it really can fill out a voice yeah you know? yeah and even if it's not a perfect perform or a, you know a perfect source tone like from a vocal there's it doesn't really let a lot of the noticeable bad things in it's a very mm-hmm. good. It's a very good disguise mic. It's a great microphone. I love it. That's yeah, why I, I, I talk into it. It's probably my favorite Shure mic. You know, my definitely my most used, but not the most transparent mm-hmm. microphone. Like it's got a sound to it, and it's tailored, and it does its job very, very well. You got any other like cool tricks that you do on bass or guitar? Uh, trying to think. Um, sometimes I'll throw you know rhythmic delays and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's usually some some effects in there to kind of like carry on a transition but i don't know i feel like a lot of my crazy processing is just in the moment stuff like mm-hmm. my my bag of tricks for that is probably really deep but it's not like i don't ever want to have to reach in that bag mm-hmm. you know what I mean? if that makes sense like kind of. so much of it just depends on like you know I remember one time I recorded a guitar tone that I didn't like, mm-hmm. and I put it through, I think, H delay, and I just turned the timing and the feedback to just, like, one millisecond, mm-hmm. and I just filtered it out, and that was the guitar tone for, like, the whole song. <laughs> That's cool. Because it just made it, like, it put all this, like, mid-range in it that yeah. I didn't I feel like smartly there, record. There's not a lot of, like, I, I don't know. I don't hear a lot of experimentation. Maybe I'm just not listening to the right shit. I don't know. But, like, I feel like, you know, when you go back and you look at, like, you know, like Dark Side of the Moon, Mm -hmm. all that shit was so experimental at the time. I mean, it still is. I mean, people don't really do shit like that still. Where it was like, these guys were just like, 
fuck it, let's play it through a toaster. I mean, I don't think they did that, but yeah, there was all kinds of weird delays and all kinds of weird modulation and time-based stuff that made that yeah. record what it was. And I feel like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of that is dependent on the band and what kind of music they're bringing in, but I still feel like we're at a point in time right now where everyone is trying to chase the status quo. Yeah. Um, instead of really trying to just be like, all right, what does your band sound like? What the fuck can we do to make you guys you know, even more unique? Because I feel like most good artists, I'm not even talking about like skill level of the ability to play the instrument, but just you know, actual artists that are coming in, like they have something to say, they have a piece of music that's yeah. like, yeah, I really got something here. Um, I feel like a lot of them, you got to help find what could make them even more unique. Like take whatever yeah. is unique about them and really emphasize that, whether that's through a weird-ass guitar tone or maybe the guitar yeah. player does something really bizarre with the way he picks. And, you know, I, I find myself... It's emphasizing the character of it. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, we kind of talked this before the show about, like, the how so much stuff is, like, over-edited. And I feel like a lot of the things that are really cool in a lot of old records yeah. wouldn't have happened if we if they were done the way a lot of modern stuff is, where it's like, oh, it has to be perfect. It has to have this sound. It has to have this EQ. It's like all vocals in modern production have to be super bright, you know? Yeah. All vocals have to be super bright. The bass has to be super thick and punchy. And it's like, in all genres of music, mm -hmm. I don't know any genre of music where that's not the case anymore. And it's like, what if you take this band and you listen to them live and you're like, man, the kick drum's not really being played a lot. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to make it super thick. Maybe just don't have it super low. And, yeah. um, you know, the same thing with like the guitars. It's like, man, this guitar player is really messy and has lots of like noise in his playing. But every time you see them play live, you're like, well, that's kind of their vibe. And if it yeah. actually lends itself to the song in a way, like, well, this really wouldn't sound the same without all that noise in there. Leave it in there. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you think that comes from? And this was this was a point made in um, the one the live sound the the Pooch and Raybold podcast that I've been listening to where they're just like, there's, because they're, they're older, they're, mm -hmm. you know, they're in their f late 40s or 50s. You know, I think they've, they've both combined, they've been mixing sound for like 60 years or something like yeah. that. Like, they have 25 to 30 year careers. Like, they've been around the block. And they're just like, man, there's a lot of like up and coming engineers that aren't musicians and that's just like weird. And I, I feel like a lot of where that over editing thing like that came from because there was like, I'm encountering it in a um, there's like there's just there's so much IT and live sound now where like yeah. everything is like networked together mm -hmm. and it's just like I'm having some problems where it's just like you know I've I've told like IT departments like you I know that there are open cat5 ports in this node mm -hmm. You can't run sound consoles on, or lighting consoles, or amps on an open Wi-Fi network mm -hmm. because someone could put a virus on and they could brick a $35,000 sound console. Yeah. Like, that's why when you update stuff, you have to put it on a drive from mm -hmm. the website and then you plug it onto the console. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, it's just like, there's so many... I like to, like, you know, talk about microphone-like specifics... And it's just like, you know, there's some weird, you know, that 5K bump in a 421 is kind of annoying sometimes. <laughs> but, like, you can use it in a way where it really emphasizes the creativity of what you're doing. And I feel like there's just too many people who know the technical means of things. We're yeah. like, oh, I can route stuff in this way. And that's better because I can do it. 
And you're just like, yeah, but it doesn't translate well. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can I still, edit everything I... to every little bar. Side note, why I hate <laughs> Pro Tools. My grid does not line up with the metronome. What? Yeah. I feel like I remember that happening to me one time, and there's a setting to change. But, yeah, that's awful. It doesn't line up with the grid. No. <laughs> and not that I'm like... I, the grid's important. It's nice like, visually. It doesn't like, have to... Yeah. If I'm, you know, I'm in the middle of recording an album right now. I need an eight-bar count-in when mm-hmm. I start doing drum takes. And if I'm dropping a marker on the zoom-out, and I'm just like, yeah. this is the one, and then it's on the fucking dotted eighth of yeah. one. It's just more visually pleasing and easier to yeah. organize whenever, when it, like, yeah, it doesn't have to, like, be perfectly, each note doesn't have to be on the grid, but your actual clips, like, if like, they're like, okay, it starts on one, or it starts on the measure, yeah. or, you know, then you can have your markers, so your markers aren't just in between, yeah. like, beat values. It's, yeah. yeah. But I think there's just a lot of people who are really efficient at running a computer, mm-hmm. and they can just be like, I can, you know, Attach everything to a grid for this eight-minute song in fucking eight minutes. Yeah. Like, voila. And it's like, yeah, but now it doesn't feel like... Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, even editing shit, like, to be perfectly in time, sometimes all of a sudden you're like, this doesn't sound right anymore. It's yeah. like, okay, I can see that it's in time, but now it just feels weird because you've gotten rid of, like, well, part of what made that chorus great is because the band pushed it a little bit faster than the click. They were just yeah. slightly ahead of it. Or this part grooved really hard because they were leaning back on the click. You know, not even intentionally. You know, most bands don't think, oh, hey, let's let's play ahead of the click here and behind. It just happens naturally. Yeah. Um, and, cool thing. You know, I think playing to a click is fucking awesome. It keeps everyone together. It gives yeah. everyone a uh, it gives everybody a a um, a dedicated tempo keeping source that no one can to blame reference. anybody. To yeah. reference and be like, well we can't say, oh well you sped up here, slow down here's like, no, well the click doesn't lie. Yeah. But then you can play around it. Like, I noticed that when we play live, we play a little ahead of the click. And I think it makes it sound a little cool live because then it's not the exact same thing as the album. It's like, oh, there's some urgency to it. That's kind of fun. And I think the same thing can be done in the studio where it's like, then you don't have, like, if that's the way they did it, and no, if they're, if the band's all together, fucking leave it alone. You know? Yeah. If, if Bobby Bassist is like, you know, a quarter note ahead of everyone, well, then yeah, you maybe want to just pull that in a little bit. Um, or have them redo it. But if the whole band is together, it doesn't matter where they are on the click. I think it's, you know, it sounds more natural that way. I think it sounds bigger. I think the more editing you do, the smaller your sound starts to get. It's like, yeah, it gets tighter, but then the whole image just gets smaller. Especially with guitars. Like, really, really, really with guitars. Bass, you can kind of get away with a little bit more. Um, But guitars just start to seem like they get smaller because... I think it's that kind of when you're editing your left and right guitars, the closer they get to each other, the less stereo yeah, spread you get. It doesn't, more, yeah. it doesn't, you know, you can't, I don't know if I've ever edited a guitar to the point where all of a sudden I've created a mono thing because it's always going to be slightly different. But yeah. the more you do it, the more your stereo width seems to start to shift because then there's going to be more things that are in common. Yeah, and, and I, I heard that there's a mixing exercise where someone's like, just put the same compressor on everything. Mm-hmm. Like, with the same, like, ratio. Like, they're just like, take your CLA 76 or whatever and put it at four to one and, you know, structure your gain. So your mix isn't really altered by it being on there. Mm-hmm. They're like, and then just start playing with the attack and release times. And like, you can, you know, a lot of feel can come from like, you know, ducking the initial hit of the bass when the kick drum hits and then mm-hmm. it fills that out. Yeah. You can totally, I'm not good at it, but I've, you know, you can watch people, I think it's a big Jack Joseph Puig thing, and the guy from 
who designs all this stuff for Kush Audio is just like you can really shape the feel of the song by dynamics processing, which makes oh, sense yeah. because there's time relations. Yeah. Um, that you know, like I feel like I'm pretty good at audio, and it like blew my mind, and I was like, oh, like I can calculate a, like release times on a compressor with the BPM. Of the, so like you can subdivide it so it'll release in between notes and stuff like yeah. and it's usually just like oh faster song faster release time and I was mm-hmm. like oh like I should not rely on this but like but having that knowledge can be cool there's an app I forget what it's called I think it's like six bucks and it will you type in the BPM and it'll break down like milliseconds for like each of the like corresponding like subdivisions and that's stuff that's cool yeah that's really cool I mean, it's kind of essentially what we can do with delay times, too. Is you yeah. You have the beat time, but then also then the, the corresponding millisecond. Yeah, I'm just trying. I'm going to embrace 2022. Is that what we're in? 22? Yeah. That's going to be the year of me embracing dynamics, where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go <laughs> dynamics processing first. Like, yeah. That's going to be my goal this year. I generally find that I do dynamics first because it's like I feel like I get everything controlled. You know, I get all my frequencies yeah. controlled and smoothed out, and then I can boost or cut where I want to. I probably generally do cuts first. Um, oh, yeah. And then I'll do boosting after. So I do, you know, subtractive EQ, dynamics, additive EQ. Yeah. But I don't know. I just want to get to that efficient point where I'm like, mm, I don't need to put six bands of EQ on this to change what I don't like. I can just put a compressor on it. And if I yeah. dial in the right attack and release time, it'll duck that out while something else is playing. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I don't know why. Just... Yeah, you should challenge yourself to do like a tire mix with no EQ, just dynamic processing. Could be fun. I told you I want to do that mix where I automate everything first. Before I even, I feel like that'd be really difficult. Get your automation going, and all of a sudden you start adding EQ and dynamics, and you're like, "Yeah, now my automation's all fucked up." I, yeah, but I just want to see. Yeah, like, no, do it. I'm just saying it'd be it tough. Be that'd be cool. I like your idea of having, uh, or Josh's idea of three of us taking the same exact thing and mixing it differently. Yeah, different approaches. I think it'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that. Like we could just take the tracks and then give ourselves an allotted amount of like mixing time. Like it yeah. doesn't have to be in one shot, but you mm-hmm. only get. An hour, yeah, or whatever. Or like, it, like not even just, you know, I could be off for from shows in a week, and I can have five days to mix. Like, just what can you, you get? Ninety minutes to yeah. mix this, and it doesn't have to be a continuous ninety. But you can, you know, you can do fifteen here and fifteen there. We should do it with our uh, Falcon and Trio <laughs> cover project. <laughs> I thought of that in the moment. That was great. Yeah. I was like, Are they from Atlanta? No, oh. they're from Chicago. Oh, okay, I didn't know. That's why I was like. I was like, it's funny regardless. I was reading an article about there's a wide receiver for the Falcons who's suspended for the season because he took a hiatus from the team and then was, like, betting on NFL games or something. Uh, I thought he took a hiatus to become an audio engineer. He's like, sorry, guys, I'm going to mix my bro's album. broadcast this. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Hell yeah. I wish we had, like, a bigger listening base that we could get people to, like, send in, like, weird guitar tricks that they've done. Be like, yo, send us a file, a two-track of your guitars with some weird-ass shit. One of my favorites is on the Story So Far record. I think I talked about this before, where he put a SM57 in, like, a wine glass of water. Yeah. um, And then recorded that in front of the guitar, and it creates this really weird, like, phasey-sounding guitar because the frequencies are all bouncing around in water. There was a Kurt Ballou video where he took, like, the water jug from the... You know, like a water fountain, mm-hmm. and it was empty, of course. And they just put an SM50, like they put it in front of the cab, mm-hmm. and they put a 57 down in it. Yeah, or what you do is you just cover it in like saran wraps, that you, or a condom. Yeah. Condoms are waterproof, so just mm-hmm. do that. And dunk it in, dunk it in, in water, and it creates a really weird thing. I mean, just think about it. if you're ever in a pool and you like you snap underwater, how weird it sounds. People have done that, I think, with buckets of water by kick drums to yeah. get really low stuff. They'll you know wrap it's up trippy. a 57 and drop it in a bucket of water. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to try doing like the same thing, but with vocals, like doing like. Like a t- like 
voice underwater with a microphone and see what the fuck that sounds like. Yeah, we've talked about yeah, that. Yeah, I'd be like, cool. I don't know. What you might choke like. a little bit. Yeah, you might, you know, waterboard yourself, but. Could be fun. We'll track waterboarding. Ooh. <laughs> Put a wet cloth in front of your speaker and then mic it. <laughs> nice. My phone is blowing up with dates for like show stuff. Nice. Like, are you available? I just got like nine of them. I was like, I don't know. I'm in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> yes, I'm available for everything. Uh, you guys figure it out. <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to refocus here. Uh, other guitar stuff. Um, do you. Other than like amp sins and stuff, do you do anything fancy with just the DI track, or are you with just, just the DI track? Um, no, but I'll EQ my DIs. Yeah, I'll add a little bit, a little bit of brightness sometimes, or I'll add a little bit of thickness below them. Yeah, it's um, nice to EQ it before you send it to an amp sim yeah. or reamp it or something. Just get a weird. I feel like every pickup has like a weird frequency in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's just like, mm. yeah, yeah, they all have some kind of weird harmonic resonance. Yeah, I don't like the sound of acoustic DIs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found a trick for live stuff where you insert a room reverb. You don't bus it to it. You just mm-hmm. put it in line. Yeah. And then that becomes the acoustic sound. And it's like a short room. Oh, that's and I'm cool. excited to try that because I, I mix a lot of acoustic. One thing stuff I like with miking is I like putting a room mic behind the guitar cabinet so that I'm getting like the back wall reflections. That kind of just like woofy. Yeah. And it can be kind of weird. Like not yeah. even with like an open back cabinet where you're miking the open back. I'm mean, just putting a microphone behind somewhere behind the cabinet and yeah. in the room and you're getting this weird. You know, bouncing off the wall, it can kind of create a cool sound, like for like a room effect. Yeah. Um, shit, I uh, I hung a microphone from the ceiling one time. That was kind of cool. cool. Yeah, uh, I know we talked about. Do you just build like a studio room reverb? Because I don't really use dark reverbs for rooms. Like if I'm sending my in- like stringed instruments mm-hmm. to a room, I typically want it to be kind of. It's probably the brightest reverb I use. Yeah, so that it kind of cuts through a little bit more. Just makes it feel like there's that air that you get in a room where, you know, sometimes, you know, a 57 right up against a guitar cab, like... Not a lot of air. You yeah. Get a really tight sound, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of dark and flat. And then the same thing with a bass cab, whereas, like, in a room, it there's just... The high frequencies can just develop in there, mm-hmm. if depending on the tone, obviously. Yeah. Like, some tones, you're just like, wow, there's nothing above 2K in your guitar <laughs> tone. Like, what is this? I don't often send guitars to reverbs. Like, I'll generally capture that, like, live. I try to do the room, um, yeah. But it... But if I do, I'm generally doing, like, a, a higher-pitched reverb. Um, I don't know, actually. I've done before where if I'm doing, like, an acoustic guitar and you've got a really bright acoustic guitar, I will do, like, a darker mm-hmm. reverb if I'm trying if it, if it fits the song. Like if I'm balancing trying, it if I'm out, trying to, like, yeah. mellow it out where it's like, all right, I wanted the bright, jangly acoustic Up guitar, close. but then I really wanted to get this, like, moody vibe to it, then I'll do, like, a darker reverb. Um, yeah. I just find that usually with my guitars and bass that I like, I like a, you know... I like a lot of low mid stuff. Mm-hmm. So if I use a darker reverb, it just muddies yeah, that just up. Muddies so if I go, not even an extremely like high pass reverb, but like a bright room sound, because I don't, I'm not gonna send it to a plate or anything. Yeah. Like that's way too apparent and way too smeary. I just found my, I, I you, I've talked to you before. I'm like, I fucking hate reverbs. I love them, but it's just there's so many to choose from, and I've never found one that I'm just like, this is the one. I found one last night. Um, it's in a Slate Digital. Uh, uh, Verbs Who Classics. It's the I think it's the Bercasti BM7. Oh. It's the uh, large red room. Bercasti's. I love it. I've it, heard. Good I was yeah. trying to dial in a drum reverb for like a room. I, was try- I had to create a fake room for yeah. this track that I was messing with because I didn't have a room track. And I was like, Oh my god, this is the sound! Finally, I found it. I'm really excited. That's, I've like yeah. have never been able to decide on a reverb for like drums, and it's like 
everything that I've ever heard is like, you should have a couple of go-to reverbs so that you don't waste time searching through what I did last night. Yeah. Hundreds of reverbs because the fucking, it's endless. Yeah. Um, so trying to find like a good five or six ones that are like all different enough that like, oh, hey, I need this for big boomy drums. Hey, I want this for like a close-up sound. So I finally found like my main drum reverb. It's the, the large red one. I'm really excited. Nice. Oh, it's yeah. It's like I Christmas. I'm like, oh, this is the sound. Because usually I'm just getting bass DIs, so I usually have to do an amp sim. And for the most part, just the stock UAD Ampeg. Oh, yeah, dude. That thing is great. Like, I know they have more in-depth ones of the SVT, but, like, that one. I love a roomy bass sound with those Ampegs. I can manipulate this to anything that I need. Like, if I need it to be a little more jangly, I can put, like, some overdrive or something before it or after. Like, I most of the time because I don't have a bass cab or anything to like reamp through as much as I would like. I just don't have I don't have the room for it like yeah. I don't have a lot of gear but I'm running out of space in the room that I have and I don't want to acquire more gear. I really want to try your Panama cab sometime. I remember them sounding really good and I really want to I got to fix it. Oh, it's broken? Yeah, there's a crack uh, above the speaker. Ooh. Oh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They are I seeing uh built in Panama. Mm-hmm. Used with uh wood from Panama. Panama. They do not um, travel well yeah with just the humidity it just yeah they don't i think you have to like dry well, i forget the process of it like you have to dry the wood out so it won't do that and they that's how they made them so cheaply and quickly yeah they, just, they didn't do they that. skipped that step that so. sucks yeah yeah i remember when those came out or around the time they they kind of got some buzz and i remember a couple of people in 20... our circle were like these fucking cabs are great and yep. they, they are good. They are, yeah. They are I just need to get some, like... I remember uh, uh, when uh, when PC got those PV cabs from Making Music that had, like, the, the Vintage 30s. Those are crazy, dude. Those were great. You know, I mean, he was always just like, this is the greatest thing, whatever he was buying. But, like, those were legitimately awesome cabs. Those PV 2x12s. Yeah, I just, I remember the, I feel like the homage with those was weird. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like never they, plugged them in. I just yeah. remember hearing them dialed up, and I was like, damn, those were ripping. Can't knock PV. Cannot knock PV, man. It's never like... We're going to get a PV tattoo. We should brand ourselves. You think PV would sponsor my us? P-E-A-V. Is there an E after the V? Yes. Wait. Damn it. P-E-A-V-E. Yeah. There is an E. Damn it. I was going to say, just get PV tattooed on my fingers. <laughs> my mom would love that. She'd be like, what the hell? <laughs> Why'd you do that? Come on, mom. It could just be P E A V E, and then Y on the next one. Be like Peeve. What was Peeve? Like no P. You could go P E A on one and V E Y on the other. That would work. And then people would only see your right hand. And be like that guy really into peas. Like, <laughs> or I could get half the word. You get the other half. <laughs> like P. When we high five, yeah. it'll like line up. I don't uh, know. Holy shit. <laughs> that's that's bold. That's a bold my favorite move. guitar trick. Is taking your guitar and throwing it out the fucking window. Just giving up. Yep. That's a great one. Giving it up. <laughs> learn one song, give up, make trap beats. Yeah, exactly. Learn how to play Smells Like Teen Spirit, and you've figured out guitar. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. that's mixed tricks. Mixed tricks. In the box. Get it right beforehand. Yeah. So. Do something weird. I'm tired of hearing the same guitar tones. Yeah, be different. Do weird shit. I don't care if it sounds like shit. Just do it. I care if it sounds like shit. Yeah. I just don't want to... Yeah, be... Be you. Take <laughs> our advice and do what you will with it. Yeah. Opinion. This has been. Should we playlist some random stuff? Uh, yeah. I just let's just like honestly let's just off the top of our heads let's do something cool. Uh, fuck it. Alice in Chains. Uh, 
Uh, them bones. That guitar tone right there. Fucking killer. Uh, yeah, no, no looking. No looking. I we just can't gotta, look. Uh, just off the top of the head. Them bones. Allison Chain. Oh, great so, guitar oh, tone. Oh gosh, darn it. Um, uh, Bulls on Parade by Rage Against the Machine. Oh yeah, hell yeah, dude. One of my favorite bass tones. Uh, uh, White Bat. He is legend. That. That's good. Oh That's man, gnarly. the bass tones are are so sick on there. I noticed with that that it's so weird. Sometimes when I I get myself to just listen to music. I think a lot mm. of times when I'm listening to music, I'm trying to just enjoy the music, and so I don't pay attention to the mix. Yeah. And so you know, for can the long you do that? I forgot uh-huh. how to do that. Yeah. No, I I, I do it with that record, and now I'm, but now I'm listening to that record at, from like an analytical standpoint, and I was like, I never noticed how loud the bass was. It's like that bass is like the most prominent thing because yeah. like for the longest time I was like, man, I love the guitar tone. I love the guitar tone, and I finally noticed when I was like. Wait, that guitar tone is just a standard like fifty-one fifty or yeah. like a, a Mesa guitar tone. What it is, it's the bass tone. The bass is what's mm. ca- creating all the character, and then the guitars are supplementing it. So, fucking awesome, all awesome right. bass tone. Is it my turn again? Yeah. Oh, I had the song in my head, and then it escaped me. God. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna say "Purple Rain" by Prince because we talked about uh, chorus. God, so. I love, I love Prince. Yeah, oh, Purple such Rain. Great tones. Unchained, Van Halen. Nice. Awesome. Oh, that's my tone. favorite. That might be my favorite Van Halen song. That's great. No, no. Now, ain't talking about love is my favorite Van Halen uh, yeah. song. I'm not gonna pick it. I'll put it on the playlist, but that's not gonna be my pick. Oh, jeez. Oh, I'm not good at this. Uh, let's go. Hmm. I can't. It's a muse song off of. Origin oh, of Symmetry. Of uh, I can't think of it. I think it's called Screenager? You know what? Let's just go with Newborn. We'll go Newborn, Newborn. by Muse. Oh, all right. Back, back to me. Um, oh, jeez. Ah, jeez. Oh, jeez, Rick. Ah, jeez. I need help. I need to phone a friend here. I'm trying to think of what else I want to throw on. I don't know. There's so many great ones. We talked about guitar. You know what? I'm just going to cut in front of you, and then you can go back and back. Uh, Stillborn by Black Label Society. I feel like Zach Wilde is worthy of being on our uh, guitar podcast episodes. Absolutely. Um, It's just got a cool riff to it, too. Shit. Whole lot of love. Led Zeppelin. Great guitar time. You know, (laughs) let's just... uh... Oh, man. Uh... Wind Cries Mary by Jimi Hendrix. Oh, fuck, dude. Yeah. I love any... Jimi Hendrix had some great tones, man. They're just yeah. so awesome. I think a lot of what made a lot of those old records sound good, too, is the fact that they didn't tune to, like, an actual tuner. A lot of times they just, just tune to, tune each to each other, themselves. Yeah. And so there are these slight frequency variations that you just can't recreate. Just a little off, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really cool. And then the singers sang to that. So then the singers are, a little. you know, they're not It's not. They're not singing E. They're singing like a slightly flat E because of the way the guy tuned. I think that's what's really cool about a lot of that shit. Don't tune your instruments, people. Yeah, nah. don't tune. Tune to yourself. Oh, uh, Tool re-released the, like a reimagined version of Opiate. Really? That's like nine minutes long oh, instead of cool. four minutes. So that should be on the playlist. Hell yeah. It's deserving. Um, shit, I love me some acoustic guitar. Uh, Leaves That Are Green by Paul Simon and Garfunkel. Nice. That's got a really great acoustic guitar sound. Uh, oh, another acoustic guitar I like. I think, oh shit, I think we already did this song. That's fine. Uh, love is Selfish by Jack, Jack White. White. Yeah, 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 that, ah, uh, I'm obsessed with the production on that song. It's great. <laughs> hey, you know, we kind of made fun of it. A little bit, but Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. That was some creative oh, yeah. guitar playing. Mm-hmm. 
I'm cool with that playlist. I'm good That's with a cool, that. eclectic yeah. little playlist. Hell yeah. Sweet. All right. <laughs> the guitar on uh, on on Ice Cubes uh, today was a good day, <laughs> 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 which is a sample, but <laughs> uh, you know, go, you know, you like who you like, and we'll like who we like. <laughs> that's good enough for me. This was episode one dozen. Twelve. All right, Phoenix has got to go to work, and I drank too much liquid before doing this, so I really have to pee. So, peace out, everybody. <laughs>